0: Amen, amen, wonderful, welcome, great to see you all at one of our stops as we were going up to the Limpopo, a guy was selling one of these, Dougie, check this thing, it's my first one, as I said before, I want to, on my, on my tombstone, I want to have, he walked with God, alongside with Doug, probably Doug's going to get there before me, but Doug, if I put it on yours, uh, this is a this is a, a, a walking stick or a knob carry actually I think I'm not sure, but it's made out of Zimbabwean teak. It's like as heavy as anything, and if you do an oak with this, he's not going to get up quickly. So it has two purposes, but uh, but I really do. And the reason why I bring this up here is because this faith series that we are doing, and uh, with all these different aspects of faith that have been preached about, spoken about, taught about. Actually, at the end of the day, we've got to have faith to walk with God. And uh, the big idea is, actually, are we walking with God in faith, doing what He says, being obedient, trying to trying to best discern what's right for now, trying to understand what He's saying globally, nationally, and then personally. And, and uh, Because there is a plan that God meshes all those things together, and uh, we are His agents of that kingdom coming by the Holy Spirit through the blood of Jesus, every single one of us. And so actually, our walking sticks need to be on hand, and we need to know what that means for us to walk with God. This morning, I want to I talk about uh, Abraham. Well, the whole of today, I'm talking about Abraham. Um, if, you have, if you open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, that would be wonderful. And uh, just to show you, and then what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to go t- a few pages back to Hebrews chapter 6. Verse 10. But in Hebrews chapter 11, this is the this is the the, the group of people that these uh, that the author of Hebrews is trying to encourage his audience with the people that he's writing to. He's trying to encourage them by saying the kind of this you've got to have this ingredient called faith. Uh, it doesn't have to be perfect faith. We noticed as I said before, if every single one of these people in this in this hall of fame, the guys that are lauded for their faith. They have at least one of these three things. They have a moral deficiency. They have doubted some stage. They have doubted some stage. There's no perfect faith. These guys don't display perfect faith all the time. Those three things at least, sometimes all three. But there's always this ingredient that we think that our walk with God has to be perfect. Friends, if it had to be perfect, we wouldn't need Jesus. We strive to be with Jesus, to be like Him. But we rely on His blood and His righteousness that puts us in relationship with God so that our imperfections are taken up by His perfection. And I, and I trust that in this series of faith, we understand that this is a grace from God. It's a grace from God. And God is going to ask us to do some things that we're going to have to have His grace, His empowering anointing, His empowered Holy Spirit over our life to get it done. And it's it's not because we're clever, it's not because we're perfect, it's not because we never do anything wrong. Friends, we're going to go through suffering, we're going to go through hard times, but actually God is always with us. And this is what I want to talk about this morning as we look at Abraham's life. You see, when you put Hebrews and Abraham together, you get (laughs) Abrews. Jeez, I actually came up with a new word there. And in this book, it says that actually it's faith that pleases God. It's faith that pleases God. It's our obedient action that pleases God. It's this, it's this ability to, to walk with Him and, and to hear Him. Just us asking, Lord, what do you think? Pleases Him. Just like you, it, it, it pleases you when your children come and ask you about things. It pleases you. And actually it pleases God when we start to step into this realm of faith. But if you have a look at verse 8, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he's going. And it continues to unpack Abraham's life in the next few verses. And tonight I want to get to what that's, this text. So there's this, there's this incredible man called Abraham who is called the father of the faith in, in, the, in the Bible. He's the one that, he was the one that preached the gospel in advance. He was the one that, that kind of, you look back and you think, actually, that's the guy. He was an imperfect heathen that God called. And because he obeyed, it says he was considered righteous. Because he exhibited faith, not just, not just believing, but actually trusting and doing. See, it's not just about believing God, in a God. It's about so trusting with, in him that actually you get on board with him. Like Paul speak, spoke about last week, he spoke about that guy, um, Blunden, who walked across, the first guy to walk across the Niagara Falls um, on a rope. And he did it once, and then he did it a whole lot of times until he got one guy that said, actually, you know what? I'm going to get on your back and do this. So listen, it's one thing to say, yo, well, that rope can take my weight by looking at Blondin doing it. And it's one thing to say, yeah, yo, yo, you're brilliant, you're absolutely outstanding it's another thing to get on his back and say "Can take me across that is, that's another thing and, it, and, and Paul did this amazing quote and in that it said actually all I had to do was to be one with Blondin on his back, whichever way he moved I was to move I wasn't to look down, I was to look ahead something to that effect and that's what we've got to be like with Jesus and our trust of him, not just believing in him is there God, yes well, if there's a God, he wants to be worshipped. If there's a God, he, wants, he has a will. If there's a king, he wants to be obeyed. And this is the kind of faith that we want to get. John said this morning, relentless. It's not only his relentless love, but our relentless pursuit of him. Creating a resilient trust in Jesus that can take us into more of him. That's what we're trusting for. So if you can move to Hebrews chapter 6, I want to preach out of Hebrews chapter 6, which is about Abraham. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. That's very, very key in our walk of faith. I'll tell you why now. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. So straight away you start to see there's a diligence required from us. There's something required from us that takes what God's given us and makes it sure. We do not want you to become lazy. Some translations, the ESV says sluggish. We do not want you to become lazy or sluggish. The New, new uh, Living Translation says this. I love this phrase in, in translating whatever that word is. It says this. Do not become spiritually dull or indifferent. Do not become spiritually dull or indifferent. Who in this walk with God, and maybe you're sitting here and you don't know Jesus and you think I'm nuts talking about a God that you can't see, but I want to tell you God is real, God speaks to us, we have an ability to have a relationship with Him, we can know Him intimately, and He's powerful enough to sustain us. If you don't know Jesus and you don't know this God, get to know Jesus, put your trust in Him, don't just believe Jesus. Don't just believe in Jesus, trust in Jesus, and you will see what will happen in your life. But he says, but what happens is in this walk of faith, we go through tough times. We go through tough times, and what happens is there's this, there's this tendency to become sluggish. There's this tendency to become lazy. Because one of the greatest obstacles to faith is it doesn't always happen in the time that we want it to happen. So you're walking in this walk with faith, and the, the problem is, is the Bible doesn't just give you a good story. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, these guys died without seeing what was coming. It doesn't exactly put seriously courage into me. I'm thinking, flip, so I'm going to do all of this, and maybe not even see it. It's like, gosh, you could have put a happy kind of thing in there. You see, friends, actually what God wants us to do, and I'm going to talk about His purpose, is He wants us to see the big picture because, friends, we are building for the long game. We're not building for a generation. We're not building for us. We're not building for the generation. We're building for the generations. And every generation has its part to play. And every generation has its, its, fights, its battles to fight. And every generation has its victories to win. And every generation has a part to play in God's big picture. And if we don't play it because we're so disappointed or we get sluggish or we get spiritually dull, as this this text says, and indifferent, and we miss that, what happens is, friends, we don't just not walk into it. But our children's children's children don't walk into it because they've got to fight battles that we should have fought. See that? So actually, this walk of faith, friends, it, it has us in our place. Playing our part. That's why comparison is so bad in our walk with faith. Because we compare our lives with somebody else's life and think, but God, God's with them and God's not with me. Because look what I haven't seen and look what they have seen. No, friends, everybody's got their part to play. Rejoice in what God is doing in other people's lives and rejoice in what God's doing in your life even if you can't see it right now. Believe the promises of God. And those promises stretch down generations they don't just stretch down my ten years or five years or thirty years that I've got left on this planet. How did I get there? Don't be spiritually dull. So what happens is, is in this walk of faith, we always have these moments where we think, God, are you really with me? Are you really with me? Are you there? Look at all the things that I've done and what I'm doing for people, and are you there? See, that's why he has to say to them, don't forget this. God always sees everything and he never forgets what you've done. God doesn't just never forsake you. He always remembers. He always remembers. And he's what he's trying to encourage them. He's trying to say to them, don't be sluggish. Don't, don't, don't step back in your relationship with God. Don't get lazy in your relationship with God. Be diligent. Keep pressing in. Keep being with him. Keep being with him. Anyway, so, so um, I haven't even finished reading this. So this is diligence. Be sure. Do, we do not want you to become lazy or spiritually dull and indifferent. But to imitate those who through faith and patience. Imitate, but I don't want you to become spiritually dull and indifferent. I want you to imitate those who through faith and patience. So patience is different to faith. Otherwise, he would have just said faith. So faith is a different entity to patience. You've got to have faith, but you've also got to have patience. And then it says, to those who through faith and patience inherit what God has promised. Inherit, inheritance, and promise. I want to talk about all these things. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no greater one for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Men swear by someone greater than themselves and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all the argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of His purpose, the unchanging nature of His purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. It's Powerful that. The unchanging purpose of God. The unchanging nature of the purpose of God. And he puts his life on it It says, if I say what I say, I mean what I say. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. What, What is the anchor? The anchor for our soul, the thing that gives us hope and makes us secure, is that God's purpose and His favor and His nature are unchanging that when he said it, he doesn't change his mind because you've messed up. And the reason why it doesn't matter if you mess up, his purpose carries on, his big purpose carries on, and even his purpose and destiny with you, I believe, continues to carry on because of this thing. Let's read on. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Straight away you start to think, oh, hang on, where's this going? This sounds familiar to you, this, this, this Jesus that we're talking about, where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Isn't it amazing? So what he's trying to do here, he's trying to teach them, he's trying to help them in this patience word, and he wants them not to be, well, not to give up hope, he wants them not to become spiritually dull, And indifferent. He wants them not to become sluggish. He wants them to be have patience, to have the strength and the courage to keep pressing through and not giving up. So through faith and patience, we inherit what was promised. I want to talk about three things that are key to our walk with faith as we look at Abraham and as we look at the writer of Hebrews in this text. The first thing he does. He says, imitate the faith of others. You see, our walk of faith is impossible without the faith of others. Friends, to have a walk of faith on your own, outside of community, is not scriptural. It's not helpful. And I want to say it is near impossible. I'm sure there's somebody that has had some special call to do that. But for most of us, friends, we need each other. We need the stories of each other, the faith stories, the faith stories of scripture, but the faith stories of the community to urge us on that we can imitate. If God has done that for them, he can do that for me. And every Sunday, that's why, friends, coming on a Sunday morning to celebrate with the believers encourages us when we hear the stories and depending on what God is doing. Isn't it encouraging to see these young girls? On their own initiative, taking the initiative and dancing and, le- and worshiping. It's another generation beginning to stand up. And I can guarantee that Taryn had something to do that, with that. Because she has got this passion to see these young girls dance. But man, let me tell you right now, to see them actually encourages you. I look at that and I think, God, we've got to nurture these young lives so that they become passionate Jesus followers when they're 18 and 20 and beyond. You see what I'm saying? It's like this encourages us. When we worship the songs and the prophetic word encourages us, we need to imitate the faith of others. I was thinking this morning of Kudzai. Where's Kudz? She's somewhere here. Teaching. Kudzai went through some difficulty over the last four or three or four years. And part of this, the implication was is that she didn't have permanent residence. And man, what a job, what a fight, what a walk for her to get a green ID, which she was entitled to. But man, it was like, yes, spoken to this person, it's going to come, and it doesn't come. And this person uh, doesn't come. And they can see it on the system, but sorry, we can't print it out for you. Man, and, and I tell you right now, for her, I, remember, I, I know the Robertsons had a massive role to play in that journey of encouraging her, her friends, Corneille, and all, the, all her, her home group. I'd love to, to have just spoken a bit about that. Because let me tell you, friends, you, you need people around you in those times just to get you over the line. Sometimes they carry you over the line, and the next time you're carrying them over the line. This faith journey is a community journey. It's a communal journey. That's point number one we see from this. Don't forget that, friends. You go to work every, most of us go to work, most of you, I don't, go to work in that place, in the world, every day. Spend all your life, most of your life in the workplace. It's caustic. It's erosive. And you're called to minister in that place. You call to minister in that place. You need a place to come back to to get refreshed and to get revived and to get spoken to. This is that safe place so that you can be out there the rest of the hours of the week. Please, this thing is a communal project, faith. You need mates with you, you need friends with you, you need people praying for you, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The second thing that I wanted to say about this, this walk with faith is it talks about. Through faith and patience, you inherit the promises. You inherit. Which means that what God has promised to you was less dependent on you and more dependent on Him. Because an inheritance revol- revolves around relationship. It's not earned, it's given. So this walk of faith that we have when God speaks to us, one of our tendencies is to white-knuckle and try to believe the promises that He has for us rather than put your faith and walk with the person that gave you the promise. As soon as you put more faith in what He said to you, friends, actually in many ways, and I've learned this over the last couple of weeks, is you, the promises that He's given to you, you've almost got to lose them to gain them, and put your faith in Him. You don't put your faith in the promises of God. You put your faith in God who gives promises. As soon as you get that the wrong way around, it becomes white-knuckled performance. It's not an inheritance, it becomes something you have to achieve. And then you're always thinking about, I'm believing the promises, I'm believing the promises. But you've, let, you've lost relationship with God in the midst of this. This is an inheritance. Faith is never in the promise, but always in the person making the promise. As soon as we put our eyes and we put our faith in the promise more than we do, listen, you've got to believe the promise. But you've got to trust God. And the reason why, as soon as you miss that, that, that ratio gets messed up, that it's not more on God and, and, and it's more on your problem than what He said to you, what happens is straight away your faith has an opportunity to erode. And the reason is why, for this is this, is that we don't know the timing of these things often. We don't know of the context. We don't even know the exact way these things that he's spoken to us are going to work out. We think we do, but often we think we do, but we don't. So all you can do in the midst of our walk with God is to be with him. Put your faith in him. Walk with him. Be intimate with him. And let the promises of God believe them and pray them into being and saying, God, I'm so interested about what this promise is going to be and how it's going to work out in my life. But Father, my faith is in you. Not in the way I think this is going to do. Which means that faith is not an emotion. Or it's not a will that needs to be drummed up. That's not inheritance. That's achievements. Whatever that word is. It's, It's like you... This is, the faith is not like we're going to faith, we're going to faith, and I just want to declare it. Friends, if you declare something that God hasn't said, you think you can declare as much as you like. God has not no. God has got no obligation to fulfill something he's never said, even though you want it. Not. That's not faith. Faith is hearing Him putting your faith in him and hearing the promises of God. Let the prophetic promise of God begin to build you up, to encourage you, that you can continue to step in and continue to believe and position yourself for the promise. That's what our job is to do. Our job, the promise is a seed. What we've got to do is water that seed and nurture that seed and steward that seed so that it comes into fruition in a walk with God, in a faith walk with Him. Faith is a relationship, not an emotion or a world that needs to be drummed up. Faith is a relationship. And I trust in all the preaching that has happened, you start to see that what these men and women did, these great men and women did, is they put their faith in God. Even when it was going pear down here and going bad down here, their faith was intact in God. And so God, in His time and in His moment, brought it to be. And friends, if that means that this massive promise of God is not going to be in my lifetime but it's actually going to be in my grandchildren's lifetime, I still keep on going because actually, I live for the sake of others, and I live for the sake of the generations to come That's how we've got to get this thing into our minds God wants to bless us God's favor is over us, and it's free because of Jesus He paid the price, it's not free, He just paid the price but our job is to walk in community And understand who we put our faith in. We put our faith in God. The third thing I want to talk about in this walk of faith is this word called patience. I think that this is the biggest thing in our walk. uh, uh, And Abraham, in this text, was commended because he, he said, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. If you've got an NRV, you've got a little C there next to descendants. And if you look down, it says Genesis twenty-two seventeen. 17. If you go to Genesis twenty-two seventeen, 17, it's the story of where God asked Abraham to give Isaac to be offered on the altar. So when, when we're talking about now, we're talking about patience, but kind of way Abraham waited. This wasn't like a day or two. First of all, it started with Sarah was barren. And God was promising you're going to have descendants as numerous as the sand on the sea, shore, stars in the sky. And he's saying, Hey, listen, I can't even have a light, I can't even have a child. What, What are you talking about here? And there was a moment where God he believed God, and it said it was credited to him as righteousness. But he had a whole journey. in this waiting patiently. He had a whole journey. He has a journey with Lot, his nephew. God blesses him. He goes, uh, the one thing about Abraham, and what is amazing about this patience, is that patience is never passive. Passion, passive uh, patience is on the move. So when you look at Abraham, there's often you see this little phrase, and Abraham moved. And Abraham moved. And he moves into Egypt and he gets into trouble because he lies to the king. And he moves out of Egypt and he gets into Lot. And he, now they, they're flourishing so much. The people are fighting with each other. He says, to, he says to Lot, Lot, this is what God's promised me. You can have whatever you want. Lot thinks he's taken the best portion ever because it looks like it's the best portion. Abraham takes the rest. This is part of his waited patiently. He still hasn't got a son. Maybe he thought Lot was going to be kind of like a surrogate son. And, of course, in this journey as well, we have, we have Sarah saying, listen, we haven't got a child. Why don't we take my slave girl, my servant, and have a child with her? And so he has Ishmael because he couldn't wait. He's, he's, he's not perfect in any stretch. He's kind of Lot maybe and Ishmael maybe. God says, no, no, not him. When Abraham's 100 years old, if you go and look at Genesis 12 right through to 22 when Abraham's 100 years old three angels come to him and they say by the way this time next year you're going to have a son and it says Sarah laughed she's like oh, give me, do me a favor I'm 90 <laughs> my womb is done and my energy is done I, Having a are you nuts and she laughs you know what, have we, have we and we always kind of, oh, Sarah, you laughed, you didn't believe. You know what, is there a promise that is so outlandish that you actually laugh at it? I think we need to believe some of those ones. Yeah, on. It's like, are oh, you joking? Okay. This Ishmael gets born and then eventually he has the son, and then it doesn't even end there. You think, well, there we go, he's got his son of promise. God says you know what because he wants to make sure that Abraham's faith is not in the promise but in the God that gave the promise he says now give me the promise back go and sacrifice him on the altar and he is like hang on now 100 years old he's just given me this boy now you want me to kill him? And it says in Hebrews, it says, And Abraham uh, reckoned in his mind, Well, listen, even if I do that, God will bring him back to life. God will resurrect him. So he goes and he does it. And he's about to kill him. And God says, No, stop there. And he provides a ram for his place. See, this was Abraham waiting patiently. And after that, it says, that's what it's referring to. And Abraham, after waiting patiently, received what was promised. See, that's what waiting patiently means yeah. it doesn't look like sitting and thinking God's just going to do a whole lot of stuff and we're going to do nothing it's not white knuckling hey God the promise and we're fighting and we're warring actually no God I'm just going to be with you I'm going to trust that what you said comes to be it's not in my hands it's in your hands help me give me the strength give me a walking stick yeah. Some, and maybe the walking stick is a person that I can lean on when I'm going through a tough time Maybe the walking stick is the word of God, which encourages me when I read it. Maybe the walking stick is actually also worship in the community together, where we lean into God and we lean on each other as we find him and we walk out our our faith stories together. This is what it meant for Abraham to wait patiently. So what we see about this, this word of patience is it's not passive. Patience has got long suffering attached to it. That's actually the word, long-suffering. Which means we've got to have an ability to be relentless in our pursuit with God. We've got to have an ability to be resilient in our walk with God. Friends, I'm not prophesying suffering over anybody, and nobody wants to suffer. But I just don't want us to get into this walk of faith and think that, yeah, 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 God's so good, He's so amazing, and the next week we're like, oh, where's God? He's forgotten everything I've done. What's happened? Friends, we just got to be real. This is going to be tough, but God is good. God is loving. God is kind. And he's prepared the way for us. But actually, so we don't get discouraged. We find our walking sticks, our worship and our word and our people and our prophetic words and all that he's got. And we constantly encourage ourselves so that we can step into what he has for us. I tell you, friends, I feel like the season that we're in now, the season that we're in now has got nothing to do with us. I believe it's the sovereign hand of God doing something of which we just happen to be walking into something. And God is wanting to do something very special in this church and in this city and in this nation. But unless we've got an ability to be resilient in our walk with Him and relentless in our pursuit of Him, friends, we're going to get discouraged and become spiritually sluggish and dull. And then what happens is when we cross the line, we're not ready to receive what He's given us. We've got to be a community that is relentlessly... Pursuing what he's saying or what he's doing. And, and, and resiliently stepping into what he has for us. No matter what it looks like on the outside, we know the God that's in heaven that has spoken. Patience is built up when we know that the promises of God have got to do with the purposes of God. And the purposes of God, as it says in this text, are Unchanging. The purposes of God are unchanging. Flip over time here now. The purposes of God are unchanging. The purposes of God are bigger than the promises of God. They're like an overarching thing. God's got a promise. And He gives us purpose. I mean, God's got a purpose. We've got a promise. So the reason why we can have faith is that God's purpose never, ever changes. And so we can patiently wait and walk. The reason why we can have patience is because of not only is the pr- purpose of God unchanging, but the very nature of God is unchanging. He doesn't have a bad day. Like he's good, he's got it, he knows what's happening. He's not caught by surprise ever, ever. He is unchanging, he is dependable, he is trustworthy. You can rely on him. And what's more is that Jesus guarantees the perfection of what we mess up in our lives. The anchor of our souls, this text says, is the unchanging nature of God, which goes into the very intimate place of God. To the very behind the curtain, where nobody could go because it was His very glory behind there. We get into that. It's anchored into that place, the unchanging nature of God, because of, the, because of the life and death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. And lastly, I've said it already, God sees and never forgets. When you think God's not with you, when you think God doesn't see all that you're doing and and you're thinking, hey God, but I'm trying my best, I'm doing my thing, God says, listen, I see it, I haven't left you, I've got you, don't worry, just keep walking. Just keep walking. It is true that people will forget. Don't get disappointed with people and put that onto God. People will forget and not see what you're doing, but God doesn't. He keeps the accounts, not people. Our trust and our faith is not in people, it's in Him. And in this walk of patience that He's asking us to, by faith and patience, we inherit what has been promised. This thing called patience is absolutely key, and it's got to do with the unchanging nature of God. It's got to do with the unchanging purpose of God. It's got to do with this ability to have resilience in the midst of difficult times. It's not passive, and God sees and never forgets. And I trust this morning that you're encouraged to take those things that God has spoken to you. And Nick said, I it might have been last week, in in the evening, he said, whatever God's spoken to you, triple it or uh, double or triple it and trust God for more. Can we take some of the things that, friends, some of you need to get your prophetic words off the shelf because you're becoming spiritually dull, becoming spiritually dull and it's unhelpful for the purpose that God has for you. You need to take those uh, prophetic words and begin to let them breathe life into you again. Take the word of God, let it begin to breathe life into you again so that we can get over our indifference and our spiritual dullness back into patience and faith with God in in our walk with Him. Father, I thank you for what you have for us, Lord. And I pray. that Holy Spirit, you will speak to us. You will remind us. You'll give us a glimpse of this great purpose that you have to make uh, disciples of all nations, to make your name great throughout the earth, and the part that we have to play in that. And I pray, Lord God, that there'd be a spiritual life that would enter our hearts, in every part of our lives, in our parenting and our working and all that's been promised to us, Lord God. I pray, Holy Spirit, that right now, Lord God, you would you'd begin to remind people of the truth of the promise you've spoken over them. And where people have been disappointed or discouraged, I pray that they would see you for who you are. And that this morning they walk out of here full of courage because you are God. And you are with us and you are for us and you see and you never forget. I thank you for that in your amazing name. Jesus, we love you, we trust you, we honor you, we thank you. Speak your blessing over your people this morning, Lord, in your amazing name. Amen.